2 Kings chapter 12. If you'll remember with me, and this helps sometimes, especially in the Old Testament. A lot of people don't read it. They don't want to study it. Sometimes they get confused by it. If you In the last couple chapters, we've had a Joash on the, as a king in the in the northern tribe and in the southern tribe. And sometimes this can be confusing and it takes a little bit of explanation. So as we come back in, if you'll remember that um, Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest man ever lived, he wrote most of Proverbs. He collected some of the others from other priests. And he really erred in the end of his life. He went astray. Uh, he ceased listening to instruction. He started to multiply wives. And God said he was going to punish him. But he didn't do it while he was alive. He waited for his son, Rehoboam. And when Rehoboam came to the throne, the next one to come to the throne, he didn't want to lighten the load. And he listened to the young men around him who said, tighten up on the load. And so Jeroboam says, who has any part with you? And they left. And ten and a half to eleven tribes went north and and Jeroboam didn't want them to go back to Jerusalem where they all had been in practice to go to worship God. So he made these two golden calves and he said, this is your God. This is where you'll worship at. And so the northern kingdoms began to leave God way before the tribe of Judah. And, and probably half the tribe of Benjamin stayed with the tribe of Judah. And so we see that. And see, Judah is the tribe that Jesus will come out of. Judah means praise. And Jesus is to come out of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. So you begin to see in the Bible, as you read through uh, of 1st and 2nd Samuels, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, that you see the word Israel. And then you see Judah. Well, Israel really means the northern tribes in this sense. It's not all of them because Judah has been separated from them by God because he does that he's separating he's purifying he's bringing out a people that will listen to his son and listen to his instruction and come back into his house now sadly none of them do the northern tribe comes out and they begin to have their kings mostly bad kings the southern tribe has kings mostly bad kings and there's a few good ones that always turn back to God and they live like David did a man after God's own heart but usually they don't take down the high places well God had made a prophecy and he said that he was going to destroy the houses uh, the house of uh, uh, the northern tribe the house of uh, Jeroboam and he did it a couple chapters ago with Jehu he called Jehu. He was, he was not even one of the kings. He was not one of the king's sons. Out of nowhere, he calls Jehu out with the prophet. And Jehu goes and kills Joram, who was the king of the northern tribe. And then he turns right around and kills Ahaziah, who is the king of the southern tribe. Well, this is important because what's happened in this time is that the southern king wanted to start making peace with the northern king. In other words... The, the southern king who was separated from these that are worshiping golden calves, they're still worshiping in Jerusalem, they're still worshiping God properly, decides that they want peace and they want to be at, in love with their brothers 
and make everything come back together. So they give up the word of God to join back together with those that are disobeying God. And see, we've got that going on again as a type in the church today. There's people that have preached unity at the sake of doctrine. You cannot have unity if you give up doctrine. If you give up the word of God and the instruction of God, you do not have unity. What you have is unrighteousness. All of you together doing it. So you have to be very careful because there's a huge convergence going on in our world right now. It's going on in Christendom. It's going on in the secular world. Everything's coming to a head with a one world leader. You're going to have the Antichrist and the beast and the false prophet. You're going to have this coming together and everybody listening to one voice because of a false prophet telling us to listen to the Antichrist. So you've got to be careful with this. And the same thing has already happened in the Old Testament. So what you see is, in chapter 10, you think that Jehu is bringing about revival. What does Jehu do? After he takes the throne, he kills all the, he kills all, he kills the, the two kings. <coughs> People are a little bit freaked out on him. He kind of leaves for a minute. And then he sends back word to the capital there and tells the men that are running the king's son, their 70 sons, he says, hey, if you want me to rule over you, kill all the king's sons. I'm coming with all of my men to destroy your city if you don't put their heads out in front of the gate tomorrow. That's where judgment's at. Head is power. And, he ki and they kill them all. And what does he do? He tricks them into being complicit with his overthrow of the northern kingdom. Now they're on his side. And they've been deceived into it. Didn't even know what was going on. Blood's on their hands. So then he tells them all, you think my dad served, or my, our forefathers served Baal? We're going to serve Baal even more. And he calls a sacred assembly of all the temples of Baal. According to Baal is Beelzebub. He's the Lord of the flies. He's the Lord of death. And everybody comes to worship Baal. And he tells his guards secretly, he's just going to put all of them in these clothing. Put this mark on them. Put clothing on them so that you will recognize everyone that's here that seriously wants to, to worship Baal. And you know what he does? He calls everybody else out. He burns the whole place down. He kills every one of the worshipers of Baal. It was a trick. He deceived them all. It looks like revival's going on. But if you just look with me in chapter 10, it says right here, chapter 10, after he killed them all, it looks like it's a great thing. But it says in 28, Thus Jehu destroyed Baal, from Israel. Now listen, Israel means those governed by God. He killed Beelzebub and got rid of it from those who are governed by God or from Israel, the northern tribe here. However, verse 29, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Who, what's that? Well, he tells you. Who had made Israel sin, that is, from the golden calves that were in Bethel and Dan. That's where he put them at. He didn't turn away from that. So it's not revival. He's still worshiping golden calves. He didn't come back to God. He just killed some of the enemies of God. It looked like revival. It's a false revival to trick the other people to keep worshiping golden calves. And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight, and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your son shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. 
But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord of God of Israel with all of his heart. He vacillated. He wasn't listening. He wasn't keeping to the path. For he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam who made Israel sin. That's the testimony. Now listen. The second king he killed was the southern tribe. It was Ahaziah. His mom is Athaliah. His mom, what does she do? Chapter 11, I'm giving you the recap. We'll get to some text in a minute. Athaliah, when she sees that Ahaziah is dead, she seizes the chance to take the throne. She seizes the the sense, and she arose and destroyed all the other royal heirs. She had them all killed. She had everybody else that could take the throne killed, and we see that she sits on the throne for six years, the number of men, six, 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 six years, this woman sits on the throne. And she doesn't know, though. See, this is Judah. This is where Jesus is coming from. This is the southern tribe. If all the male heirs were killed, where in the world could Jesus come from? She doesn't know that Joash is hidden in the temple. He's hidden. Now, this is a big deal. Listen to me. Because when you read the Old Testament and you read about the temple and you go and look at all the pieces, you go look at everything, Jesus is hidden in all of it. Jesus is the candlestick. Jesus is the showbread. Jesus is every, every bit of it. This is very important stuff, guys. So here is Jesus for seven years. He's the only son left. He's hidden in the temple, growing up in the temple while Athaliah is on the throne for six years. Jehoiada, Jehoiada, the priest, is keeping him hidden with his, with his actual uh, um, grandma, I think it was. Now listen to it because it's really good. Because Joash, or you see it in two different ways, Jehoash or Joash, it's written two different ways, same person, it means given by the Lord. Remember, Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. He is the greatest gift ever given. So Joash is a type of Christ that's in the temple. This is where he's raised up at, by the priest. And the priest name is Jehoiada, which means Jehovah knows. See, God knows where he's at. The devil thinks he's killed all the royal heirs and he can interrupt God's plan to bring the Messiah, but Jehovah God knows where Joash is at, and this is what I want you to see is that there's no wisdom or counsel against God. Nobody can defeat God. He he brings it down to one child who's one year old. He's just born, and he's in the temple being graced up there. Hidden, if you will, for those who will search it out. And then they bring him out in the seventh year. They guard him with priests. They protect him, and they have Athaliah killed. She yells, treason, treason. They said, take her out and slay her. They take her outside and kill her. And he sits on the throne. Starting at seven years old, right? Now let's look at our text. Let's see. What happened? It's 11, chapter 11, verse 20. 
So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet. Peace, rest. For they had slain Athaliah. Now, Athaliah means afflicted of the Lord, or Yah has constrained or restrained. Athaliah is, is um, Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. And what happened was, when they started, the, the southern tribe started to try to have peace with the northern tribe and join with them for the sake of peace, what happened? Ahab and Jezebel's daughter stealthily come down and married one of the kings and slid right in to the tribe that was supposed to be living for God still. And that's what happens when we are supposed to be living for God and we marry into the world. We marry the spirit of Jezebel. We marry this rebellion. We marry this that we're not supposed to be married to because we have been betrothed as chaste virgins to Jesus. We're not supposed to be marrying other things. So Athaliah, they killed her with the sword in the king's house, uh, 1121. Joash, Jehoash, same thing, was seven years old when he became king. Again, um, I believe that personally in the 7,000th year, that's when the millennial kingdom will start. That's just my personal opinion. At the end of 6,000 years, man will be done with 666. And God will rest again as he rules on the throne in his own kingdom for a thousand years. And then what happens then after that? Eight comes and new beginning, new heaven, new earth. Jerusalem comes down. I could have it all messed up, but that's how I'm telling you I read my Bible. So we come to chapter 12. In the seventh year of Jehu. Now don't get confused because Joash is seven years old, but Jehu seven years ago, killed all the other heirs and he's been ruling in the northern kingdom. That's what that's saying. He's the one that's in uh, the northern kingdom. Jehoash, or Joash, became king and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. 40 is the number of judgment. At seven years old, he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. Jerusalem means teaching peace. His mother's name was Zibiah, which means robe, of Beersheba, oath of seven, oath of seven wells. You guys remember Beersheba? If you're reading through the Bible with us this year, in Genesis, you've already seen in chapter one, or excuse me, 21, when uh, uh, Abraham went down to Ahimelech or Abimelech, down to Egypt, and, and, and he lied about his wife. We talked about it a while ago. Uh, then they dug the well of Beersheba. And, and he, he named it Beersheba when they made a deal that they would not bother him because they seen how strong he was. And it means it's when they made that oath, they named it that. Well, what happened? His son did the same thing. Isaac goes down in chapter 26 with his wife. They lied to Abimelech again. And what had been happening was these wells, water is always like the Holy Spirit. That with these wells, the other people of the world of Egypt, Abimelech and them, have been covering the wells up. They've been filling them back in. They wasn't allowing them to get any water. And so Isaac redigs the same exact wells. And you know what he did? He named it the same exact thing that his dad named it. That's why I like where she's from. She's from the oath. 
And, and, and mom is helping him on the throne. This mom is. Zibia. Uh, and they're in Beth, uh, uh, Beersheba, which means oath of seven. Does that mean anything to you guys? The oath that God made? The oath from God that he swore upon himself and he will not relent? <coughs> He's the one that, that no matter what we do, we're not faithful. <coughs> Listen to me. We can say yes, just, just we can say yes, God, I'm going to do it, but we're not faithful. The only way we can be faithful is by the Spirit of God, because one of the fruits of the Spirit is faithfulness. That's the only way we can be faithful. There's nothing in us that can be faithful to God, except for the Spirit of God when we're led by God, and when we're looking to receive the instruction of God and do the will of God for the glory of God. Okay, so that's verse two. So Joash or Jehoash. Either way, did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Oh, boy, that would be great if we just stopped there, right? All the days in which Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Remember our verse. This is, these, these are tied together by God on purpose. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life. But if you refuse the correction or the instruction, you go astray. And this is what we're going to see at the end of, of, of Joash's life. Even though he brought some reforms and he was being held alive as the only male on the uh, in the lineage of Jesus for Judah, he wasn't perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. We can't look to any man for salvation except for the God-man Jesus Christ. Everybody else will fail. So he listened all the days that Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Well, what, remember what Jehoiada means? Jehovah knows. Jehovah known. As long as he's listening to instruction, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. When he ceased listening to instruction, he goes astray. That's next week's verse. Look at this. Let's look at Jehoiada just really quick. We'll look over. He lived to be 130 years. Let's look over 2 Chronicles 24. Now you can find more detail, and we'll get to these books eventually, uh, unless Christ comes to take us home. In First and Second Chronicles 24, we see, again, that we're going to have the same context in, in, in the book of Chronicles. It's the Chronicles of the Kings. Um, we're going to see some of the same context with some different content. Uh, but it's still the context is repairing the temple, right? Well, why are we repairing the temple? Because Athaliah was on the throne for six years, and her and her sons were destroying it. And they didn't care nothing about it because they were worshiping Baal the whole time. They had thought that they had successfully overthrown the tribe of Judah and God's plans, and they were living in a godless society, but they didn't know that the king was still alive. And he was being guarded in the temple. But Jehovah knew. And see, right now, this is what we see on our planet. We see the spirit of Antichrist wanting to create a government and this utopia that is godless. It doesn't even have Jesus Christ in it. They want to change everything and people to live forever. They want people to live for a, forever and trust them as the power and the authority and the rulers over them. And there's many being deceived to do that. But Jehovah knows, 
He knows the hour he's coming. He knows where his people are at. He knows who has his mark upon them and who is going to take the mark of the beast. He knows all of that. And if we keep looking for instruction and learning the word of God, we can be in the way of life. But if we decide that we can do something different and we can vacillate and let's just lighten up and we can do whatever we want and we can pursue the world and look, things are looking pretty good. Things are not looking good. In fact, it's the Bible says that they're going to say peace, peace, and then sudden destruction will come. And I believe that's coming. I believe false revival is coming. I believe there's going to be false revival, but it's going to be a return to America the Great, not a return to God. See, a return to God would change morality. A return to God would change righteousness. And we would stop living in these perilous times. We would stop acting like we're acting. But the only return they want to do is a return to the deception of the devil in the garden that brought about natural sin, normal sin, original sin. They want to return to man ruling things and return to Babel. They don't want to go back all the way to God creating and walking in fellowship with God in the garden. They want to return back to their utopian dreams of the Tower of Babel. In fact, oh my goodness, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to. I'm going to get back to our text. 2 Chronicles 24, 14. When they had finished, they finished building. We're not there yet. They brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. Je Jehovah knows what money you bring. They made from it articles for the house of the Lord, articles of serving and other offerings, spoons, vessels, gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. All the days of Jehovah knows or Jehovah known. If you know, you know what a burnt offering is? Go back to Leviticus. It's the very first offering. It's a picture of Christ. It's a complete, dedicated, God gets every bit of it. It's all burnt up before him. He gets the whole life, the whole sacrifice, every bit of it. Nobody else gets any of it. That's representing Christ. That's what a burnt offering is, where you give it all to God. 15, but Jehoiada grew old and full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and his house. You don't want to read that about any other priest that they're buried with the kings. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king. Now, here comes the leaders. They bowed down to the king. And what happened? Notice it's king little K. You're bowing down to the king big K. That's where you should be. And the king listened to them. Listen, he ceased listening to the instruction of, of Jehoiada. And, and, and the king, Jehoiada, the priest, has died. So you have a priest right now. I have a priest right now. And he's, he's Jesus the Christ from the order of Melchizedek. And now you and I, when we believe what he has said, we believe his instruction and his word, we become believer priests with him, and we tell others what he has said. The king began to listen to other rulers. Therefore, they left the house of the Lord. Listen, who are you listening to? Have you left the house of the Lord? God of their fathers and serve wooden images and idols. Listen, I'm going to do a message maybe or a, a, a blop. I don't know what it's going to be about images. Because see, God created us in his image. And now you look across, you know what people have? They have a self-image. 
That's what psychology gave us, a self-image, where we look at ourselves in the mirror and we think, self, you're pretty good. You've got a pretty good image. Who have I been listening to to get that image? I've been listening to the world because self is supposed to be dead and in the grave. The only image you're supposed to have on you if you belong to God is the image of God. That's what we're looking to. If we're looking to keep instruction and we're in the way of life, we're looking for the image of God to be birthed in our lives, not a self-image that leads to death. Sorry, I'm going to get to that image sometime. Because, they see, this is what's going on. We make wooden images and idols, and we begin to worship them. My life is okay. I'm not as bad as them. And we begin to say, I'm doing what the church said. Are you doing what God said? Are you listening to God's instruction or the church's instruction? Because the church is way off. They haven't even seen the product. You guys remember that when I told you about, reminded me of Buck always. <coughs> that gentleman, that cowboy that went and visited the big city. You remember that? And he had, he got, he was ready. He was a church going man. So he put on his cowboy boots and he spit shined him and he's got his blue jeans on. He put his cowboy hat on his old big belt buckle and his little button up shirt that had them snaps. And he rolled up in the finest church in town. People all look at him like that. And he went and sat down and they all moved away from him. He sat there, took his hat off and laid it in his chair smiled and listened to the preacher preach it was over with he said amen and he got up and he was going out the door and there's the preacher standing at the door and he said excuse me sir cowboy he said I want you to do me a favor you think those are clothes you should wear in here he said I want you you're going to come back next week I want you to pray and you ask God how you should dress coming in this church Okay, sir, and he walked away. Well, the next Sunday, boy, he was still in town, and he said, I'm going back. Spit shined his boots, put his hat on, his shirt, his big old belt buckle. He scrolled right in. You know what? It happened the same way. He went to sit down. They all moved away from him. He took his hat off, and he listened. Preacher got finished, met him at the door, and said, Cowboy, didn't I tell you to pray and ask God how you should dress? He said, I did. He said, well, what did God say? He said, I don't know. I've never been in that church. That'll catch you about right here, some of you. Never been in that church. Never, ever been in that church. And that's the way we go on building churches. Nothing to do with God's instruction. Nothing to do with repentance. Nothing to do with dying to self. Nothing to do. But we got a lot of images. We got a lot of idols. We got a lot of rules. Look at this. The wooden images, idols, wrath of God came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Notice we're talking about the southern kingdom that joined with the northern kingdom. They were led astray because they wanted peace, but they gave up their relationship with God. They gave up listening to instruction. They gave up and wanted to be so joined with their brothers and they ended up with the wrath of God upon them for their trespass. What's a trespass? You ever see a sign on the side of the road when you're hunting for mushrooms? Don't tell me. And it says, no trespassing? See, a trespass is something that you already know is the truth of God. And you do it anyway. Thou shalt not. No trespass here. And then you say you didn't see the sign. I heard you something from mushrooms. I didn't see that sign, officer. No, no, it gets worse. That's physical. 
What about with God? You knew the word of God. You know what it says. It literally says it in the Bible. See, the southern tribe knew what they were supposed to be doing. They knew the instruction, but in their emotions and their feelings and in their hearts, they wanted to follow and be with the world, the northern kingdoms. And they trespassed against God by following his written, or ignoring his written word. We can't do it by emotions. We can't do it by feelings. We can't do it to save ourselves from persecution. Because we end up with the wrath of God upon us. Yet he sent prophets to them. Listen. He sends witnesses to them to bring them back to the Lord. See, God's sending people to bring us back. He sends messages and messages and word. He is not trying to kill us. He wants us to come back even from the wooden idols and even from the images, even from no matter where you go, God's love can reach you. If it's truly God's love and not the world's sloppy agape. He wants to bring you back. And they testified against them. But they would not listen. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest. Said, hey, now Zechariah's in there. Jehoiada's son. Who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, He also has forsaken you. See, God never forces himself. He gives you over to what you're already doing. So they conspired against him and at the command of who? Joash, the king, who's not listening to Jehoiada anymore. They stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. In the Lord's court, they stoned him with stones and killed him. Thus, Joash, the king, did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada, his father, had done to him, but killed his son, and he died. He said, the Lord look on it and repay. Wow. Isn't that what happened to Jesus? They killed his son. They didn't remember what the father had done and gave him the greatest gift. Now, back in our text, I just wanted you to see how Jehoiada died and how after he died, what happened to his son because see Joash stopped listening to instruction and he ended up killing the son of his instructor the whole nation did and the church is doing the same again So he did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, but God's got this against him. Look, while Jehoiada is still alive, while he's listening, verse 3, but the high places were not taken away. Well, why were the high places not taken away, Greg? He tells us the people still sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. What's that mean, Greg? Well, Joash wanted to be the people to be friendly with him. The people were doing it. It doesn't say Joash. See, Joash, here's his testimony did what was right in the sight of the Lord, because he's listening to Jehoiada's instruction, but he allowed the people to keep sacrificing incense at the high places. 
what's incense. Well, that's really significant, remember? It's the prayers of the saints. Burning incense is prayer. They're worshiping at the high places. See, Jerusalem was supposed to be the highest place. Everything went up to Jerusalem, no matter what elevation you were. Let's go up to Jerusalem, because that's where God's temple was. That's where Joash had grown up in the temple. He knew better than to allow this to go on. Is, is there some high places in your life? Oh, wait a minute. Because you can say, I'm doing everything that's right in the sight of God, except I got these high places. Well, I'm in the word prayer and fellowship, except here's what a high place is. Here, here's the, here, the Hebrew word is Bama. Not Obama, just Bama. Yeah. The Hebrew word for high place is Bama. It's an elevation. It's an elevated place that you elevate in your heart us, them, it was the hills around the city that they went up and they built wooden images and idols and they would go up and burn incense to them. It, it was left over from the Baal worship, Beelzebub from worshiping the devil. See, it's left over. It's passing down. It's always going to be here. It's always going to be here. You've got to decide whether you're going to listen to the priest. And Jehovah knows. You've got to decide whether you're going to burn and, and bring your prayers to false gods and live your life in the high places. And if you have anything that will keep you from worshiping God, keep you from praying, those are high places. We don't have to go anywhere else. If God's not first, you have high places. God has to be first. He doesn't take second place. See, because we're the temple now. And he wants to grow you up inside your heart. And there's a lot of high places, not just in the church, not just in your life, but all around. It's everything that we put before God. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to be in church, but you know what? I'm doing this on Sunday. I'm sorting my socks. I know I'm supposed to be praying and in the word, prayer, and fellowship, but I got a whole bunch of this. Listen, I'm not doing legalism here. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I talk to people all the time, and I go, oh, you believe in God, huh? I said, does he, does he believe in you? You go to church? You go to church? Where are you going to church at? Oh, it's the only day I got left. I work six days a week, and Sunday's the only day I got. Listen to me. We've been duped into this. We're in bondage in America, and, and we're not putting God first in our lives. And then we go, what's going on? I don't know why my life's not working out of here. Now, I'm not telling you when you put God first, it's going to be great. I'm telling you, I mean, in fact, I, I started with you'll be persecuted. How come Christians aren't being persecuted in America? How come Christians, well, they're getting ready to be, just, just hold on to that. They had to destroy the Constitution about 20 years ago, and now we're getting to that. Now they're setting up new leaders and, and new high places and new powers that aren't listening to any Constitution. Don't, don't be alarmed. If you know Jesus, don't be alarmed. But know this, they're going to start doing some things and telling you some things that have nothing to do with our religious freedoms according to the Constitution. But they have a lot to do with the Constitution of the Tower of Babel. And we have to wake up to this. Because no matter what they do, we are still supposed to put God first. God always has to be first. And all of these things are there to test our heart, to see if we'll keep putting God first. 
And that doesn't mean showing up to this building. Are you showing up to the throne? Are you showing up in your relationship? Are you showing up in the instruction? Are you showing up in the witnessing? Are you showing up where God's telling you to show up? That's where you got to show up. Because we've created some system that we mark by that has nothing to do with the mark that God puts upon his children. We've lowered the bar real low in America. All you have to do is say a prayer. And you're in. It's all over with. You're in. Now you can go live the American dream and do whatever you want. It's just not the Bible. Now don't get me wrong. If you're in the way of life, you have a heart toward keeping instruction. We're the prodigal son. We're turned toward home. We've come to our senses. We've already changed our direction. And we're going toward the Father. He'll come and get us. Nobody's going to get in between us and the Father if we're coming toward the Father. The gates of hell will not prevail against your life. He'll come and get you. Get the signet ring on you. He'll clothe you. There's going to be a banquet. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, no matter what place you're in, in that movement toward him. But you can go astray on the way if you cease listening to the word of God and the instruction of God. And there's a lot of antichrists out there that are trying to get us to listen to their instruction and believe in what they're saying. And you don't have to believe nothing that I'm saying. At the end of the day, do you believe what God has already said? Because he's spoken. And it's clear. And if you draw near, he'll draw near to you. If you submit to him and resist the devil, the devil will flee. He cannot stand in the light or in the truth of God. He has no standing whatsoever when you stand in the light. And he has no power over your life when you're doing that. The high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. They were burning sacrifices. I mean, they were called to burn these sacrifices to God and God alone. We're talking about the southern tribe, remember? Because the northern tribe is already burning them to golden calves. They're serving the God of gold and calves. They've already made an image like a calf. They already are gone. But now the southern tribe is doing the same thing. And the king won't take them away, I believe. Joash doesn't take them away. Because it's a condition of the heart. The people have to, in their own free will, stop going to the high places. It's a testing. The people kept going there instead of doing what they should have been doing that was right. I guess I'm going to have to stop right there. We got three verses done. Three verses. Listen, pray about high places. High places are huge. High places are in our lives that we think are okay, but they have nothing to do with God. If you look at culturality or Christianity, you see a lot of high places. We've brought everything in. Let me, let me tell you real, real quick. We've brought everything in, and it destroys the worship of God. 
It destroys the temple of God. It destroys what we're supposed to be doing. And it still looks like we're worshiping God. But all of these high places puts them before God. So therefore, we're serving self. We're serving some image that we've made up. We're serving something other than the God of Israel. The God of those governed by God. That's what that would mean. And Jehovah knows. So what are the high places? Listen. We all come up with excuses. We all do things. We all have issues. We need to cancel subscriptions. But have we turned our heart toward home? Are we looking to be circumspect? Are we concerned about the instruction of God for what discipleship and what teaching and what doctrine and what God says makes up a person or a child of God? Romans 8.14. Let's do it again. Anybody know it by heart yet? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Not by the Spirit of the age, not by the Spirit of fear, not by the Spirit of some idol, not by the Spirit or, you know, think about it. There's a lot of spirits out there. But is it the Spirit of God, the God of Israel, that is leading your life? Or is there some high place? It's elevated. We were talking about this the other day. There's there's uh, um, <laughs> mocking in the face of Christians by the devil. It's it's hidden in plain view. Hill song music, hill song. It's on a hill, and it leads people away. It's an evil movement. It's evil music. But it looks good. It just falls short of God. Completely short of God. Now I'm telling you, when you're listening to Hillsong music, you go, man, they're worshiping. But who are they worshiping? It's not God. It's a heel. What about, what's his name? Stephen Futrick. Futrick. Elevated music. That's what a heel means. An elevated place. They're doing the same thing. There's this form of godliness that leaves out the power of God. And it's like the devil is mocking us in our face. He's even naming the, 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 the musicians' bands and things in high places. We get our doctrine out of these songs instead of the instruction of God and His Word. We go and rock out at these concerts that have nothing to do with God. I'm just telling you. The root tells you what about the fruit. And if the root is bad, the fruit is bad. We go through this all the time. In law, they call it the fruit of the poisonous tree. The evidence is no longer good because it came from a poisonous tree. So the root, that's why we're unrighteous. Poisonous tree. We need to eat from the tree of life. That's a good tree. It's the tree of righteousness. It's Jesus. And then our evidence and our witness and our fruit will be good fruit. But from the garden, Eve.
even the devil in his final temptation with Jesus took him up to a high place. What high place do we have where he wants us? I mean, because that's, that's where so many pastors and so many people fail. When, when they're flattered and they're in this high place, exalted, instead of coming low. Correction comes to bring us low. So we remember who we are and we come out of our high places and we begin to live for God as witnesses with the true fruit that comes from the root or the seed, Jesus, that's planted in our heart. What are your high places? Now I know you, many people say, well, you really shouldn't name names and you really shouldn't do that and you really, listen, being nice is not going to get the gospel out. Being nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's just not. Is it? I see. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, niceness. It's not in there. I'm, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying we have to be careful. I see signs all the time. I hear Christians say, just be nice. Really? Just be nice. That's what Paul was doing when he went to the house right next door to the temple because there was somebody that would listen to him, but nobody in the temple would listen to him. And he went right next door to Jason's house, and they came to find him and to beat him to death because he was telling somebody about Jesus. They came, and they were real nice to him. I'm not telling you to be mean or be a sailor, or, but we got to be biblical. And everybody that was persecuted in the Bible from Cain on was because they were being godly and righteous and they were being outspoken with their lives. And the people that persecuted them wanted them to shut up. They didn't want to hear about truth. And it's going on all around, all around the world. But the church has just been silenced in America by the high places by the culture by lies and deception whose instruction are you listening to in your life it's time we tear down the high places and we bring ourselves low so that God can lift us up Father thank you for your word and we pray that we would glean from the fruit of your scriptures how we should thus live and Lord we know we fall so short but we pray, Lord, that our hearts would be turned toward home and that we would be led by your Spirit to the throne room where our Lord and Savior is set right now, praying for us. He has not ceased praying since he sat down. And he's waiting till you tell him to come get us. And we pray, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for wisdom and how to live in this present evil age of lawlessness. Pour out your spirit upon us in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.